Hello there listener, welcome back to The Context, episode 19, part 2, where we talk about model view intent with our guest, Benoit. Let's move on. Uh, and actually, my next question was not about navigation, but like a composing uh, elements of the screen uh, a little bit more. Uh, maybe we just have to clarify things a bit. So basically, imagine you have uh, two screens, uh, screen A and screen B. And at the same time, you have some kind of a reusable component, for example, um, a subscreen or like a classic master detail flow. Let's just imagine that uh, it's just a complex button that does some things uh, and maybe some image that reacts to the button and you want to reuse it across the screens. How do you approach this in M M MVI or do you just avoid that and duplicate the logic all the way? Hannes, go ahead. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, we have uh, a reusable component that we want to use on two screens. Mm -hmm. This two just two separate screens, but the component is the same and it does some, uh, I guess, logic, uh, and it has uh, its own view. So basically, uh, you want to have uh, a component inside of a component. Do you approach this this way or another, or you just avoid it? I try to avoid this, to be honest, mm. Because again, that sounds great in theory, but I haven't figured out a good way to do that in practice. So in the web world, I think that makes sense. And what, for instance, CycleJS does then, CycleJS actually offers two streams. So each component offers two, two observable streams, RX Java streams, uh, so to speak. One is for the UI widget in terms of rendering the diff, uh, not the diff, the, the, the DOM. So like the HTML uh, widgets, so to speak. And the second stream is offering the data that is actually already part of this UI widget stream, but then you offer the raw data. And then what CycleJS can do is create a component that uses the data stream of another component to create its own uh, kind of state. But I'm not sure how to feel about this in general, and actually I had the chance to talk to Andre Madeiros, Andre Stoltz, three or four years ago, but I was so nervous that I completely forgot to ask about this question because this was exactly one of the questions I would like to ask him. Because to me it seems like there is no clear separation between the model and the view, kind of. And in general I have the feeling that in the web world people don't care that much about models. Um, so, yeah, I, I have no good answer here how to do that on Android, to be honest. I have the feeling that you can achieve composability way easier, as I have mentioned before, by extending from the UI widget rather than trying to put all those states somehow connect to each other. So rather just extend, um, let's say, my button from, uh, from button from the SDK and then do the stuff there and then reuse that somehow. Um, I'm not sure how to reuse components as you would like to do it in the web world on Android. You could do that with hierarchy listener somehow. You could do that with fragment listener and then scope that somehow together with dagger or whatever dependency injection tools you use. But it still doesn't feel that smooth um, as it would be on the web from my point of view. Any, any other thoughts or any other ideas? I personally think that's doable, but 
in my case anyway, I think I missed the knowledge about re really real reactive and functional programming because I would imagine you would have like a small presenter per component and then they would get encapsulated in a big presenter and the same we would have one big stream managing all the views, all the components and for each component they would have their substream kind of thing and but yeah I don't know if it's maintainable but I think it's doable yeah, so this concept is actually called uh, nested view models in MVVM uh, and we do use it this way or another. So basically, like Hannes mentioned, it is possible just to provide this via dependency injection. Uh, like a view model should be should reside inside a view model and view should reside inside a view. And maybe I'm imagining this from the MVI standpoint that you have a view model or presenter or model inside model and when you pass a render state there will be a sub state in this state that actually refers and renders it on a sub view does it make sense yes and no but i'm still not sure if that's the best thing to do on android because from my point of view you could push that also one level down so rather than having the view model inside the view model both view models could observe the same kind of model or business logic thing um, then react on those changes in that rather than having a view model in a view model. Um, but go ahead, Benoit, you may have another opinion. Yes, so I was thinking about, um, let's say we have a recycler view. So we have an adapter inside the view. And passing data from the stream to the adapter sounds really similar to me that having multi multiple components inside a view. Is there similarities or am I just... Yeah, actually, we have this kind of approach related to recycle view. It's actually a great example of, of this concept. Uh, and basically, we have for each item a view model and a view. And when adapter decides to, to bind the view holder, uh, we just bind the view model and the view itself. So do, do, do you have anything like that from, in, from the MVI standpoint? Uh, when we talked about implementation inside the view, we would do view.render state, but that's synchronous. And if we wanted to pass data to an adapter, uh, and instead of passing a state, passing an observable for the adapter to be, you know, to do stuff anyway, the view would need to get the, the observable of state instead of just one state. And doing this, I think it gets once you get that fixed, I think it's really easy to just pass it to many sub-items kind of thing. doesn't really answer the question, but I just thought of it. <laughs> Fine. I and think Hannes, that's... Hannes, how, how do you deal this, with this, actually? <laughs> it is an interesting question. Oh, boy. You're open the... Yeah, I don't know. We will burn in hell if we go going too deep into adapters and recycle view because I think this is... I don't think it's it's a good idea to have like something like a presenter or view model for each item in the recycle view because they get recycled, you have screen orientation changes. I don't know. It's, it gets super messy. For me, it's much, much easier to just call on your activity, here's the state, and the state contains the list of all items and then synchronously dispatch it to the adapter by saying notify data set changed and whatever. Um, but yeah, yeah I, it, 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 it works with this, but what about like events inside of item? 
for example, you have a pop-up menu yeah. or in item on one button and uh, there is another button the same item. How do you deal with that? Yeah, I map them back to the activity and then let the activity um, or fragment or whatever you call view, uh, main entry point to your view, then create a new intent or action or whatever in terms of MVI and then pass it again to the presenter or down, down to the business logic and then change the state there and make the whole thing re-render. Use diff utils to make sure this works efficient. And that's how I would do it or how I, do, how I did it in the past and worked fine for me and make, make things, I would say make things probably a little bit ugly from a reading point of view because you always pass a, from fragment or activity a listener into each view holder somehow to trigger this inputs event back to the activity and then to the present and then to the business logic. But it creates a nice unidirectional data flow and worked fine for me in the past. Yeah, the API, yeah, the the API from the view looks nice actually in this case, but the adapter part is it's kind of messed up, I guess. Uh, and the next related question uh, is about dialogues. How do you co co cover this case with dialogues? For example, you have a screen uh, made uh, with uh, an MVI approach and you want to show a dialogue and, of course, react to these events. So you, I guess you just uh, render the state and in the state pass uh, the, like, the dialogue state, I guess, and then just uh, again expose events from the dialogue from the view. Am I right? Yes, that's exactly what I do. So this state has a yes. Boolean flag show dialogue, yes or no. And then it's basically just a... Usually I don't even use the dialogues, but our custom view group with a transparent background that does exactly the same thing. But you could also use dialogues if you want to. But yeah, it's, it's part of the state object from the parent, so to speak. And how do you actually handle back button in the custom view that represents a dialogue? Mm, I think I overwrite on... Ah, yeah, the back button. Ah, yeah, yeah, right, right. We haven't talked about those things yet. And probably Benoit has a better answer, a better idea how to tackle that. But for me, the back button in such a case is actually just an intent, like any other intent. Like there's no difference between pressing a button in UI or pressing the back button for me it triggers an action in the business logic and then the business logic knows what to do next. What is your approach, Benoit? Yeah, I did a, a similar thing. It's just, even with dialogues or like the back button, it's, it's like, do I want this to be in the state? Like if I, I don't know, if the user leaves the screen for 10 minutes and go back, do I want to show this? If yes, it needs to go into, inside the state and Either if it's go back or anything, it needs to go through the stream. Otherwise, I would just do it inside the view and that's it. So if go back doesn't, like, doesn't have a side effect and it just closes the screen, I would just do it in the view, I don't know, uh, activity.finish or something like this. But if it closes the, uh, the dialogue that basically changed the state, that would be an, an intent that would just uh, do as Hannes said. And uh, do you have any experience with a single activity in that regard? Or you just uh, create activities on demand and you don't have this, uh, like, don't, I don't know, train these things that no activities should be made? So, so far, all the MVI implementations I did were with uh, multiple activities. So 
I don't have the experience yet with the single activity applications. Hopefully we'll be doing this at Square soon, but nothing yet. Yeah, same for me. So I have a mix of all kind of combinations, uh, multiple activities, single activity, single activity, with multiple fragments, single activity with just view groups. <laughs> and I think it doesn't make any huge difference, to be honest. Um, but I haven't made up my mind yet. So if I would start a Greenfield project nowadays, I'm, I'm not sure which, which approach to take. And I know that the new architecture components with the navigation, uh, no, it's called now the jet, Android Jetpack, right? But with the navigation library they have published doing, um, or announced at Google I.O., they said that they would like to see a single, single activity, right? And I think yes. it makes sense, but... Yeah, still, I'm still not sure. Um, yeah, this whole area with this navigation component is kind of in a gray zone for now because basically uh, it provides some interfaces from the Java standpoint at least, uh, but the only implementation is fragment-based right now. So I haven't seen any examples like with just uh, vanilla views and how do you compose it with MVVM or MVI actually but we'll see how it goes. Uh, the next uh, question I had in mind uh, related to the state again uh, is about animations. Uh, so if you want to show something with an animation and react back on this, I guess the answer is the same, right? So you basically do it on the view level and provide intents and so forth, right? Um, in my case, I don't really have experience about this, but with the discussion we had earlier, that would be the container that would do it for us, I think. That we would say, we would go from this screen to this other screen, and then the container would just do the magic for us. I don't think that should be in the, the, the screen stream, but I don't know. What do you think, Hannes? Um, yeah, that's, that's a little bit hard to answer because the way how the SDK works by also restoring that state internally somehow a little bit and stuff like that makes it a little bit harder to integrate there. But I think that's also the case with MVVM or MVP. But for instance, if you have something like, let's say you have a progress bar, um, not a spinner, but a progress bar where you would like to display the progress of, I don't know, download of a size. Uh, of a file with size one megabyte or something like that. And then I would model that as a, I think as a, as a state in, in the state model, uh, as an attribute in the state model. So I would say like 0%, 5%, 10% and make the progress bar just render those things. So for progress bars, I think this could work. Um, for others like I don't know, animating in, in your fragment to different kind of, not really states in terms of logical states, but from layout states, so to speak. So let's say you have a button that should appear in the initial state, but be hidden in the next kind of state. And then there's a third state where there is yet another button that should be visible. And those things should be time-based, for instance. So making them display every or switch state every five seconds. Then my business logic would probably use an observable dot timer thing to kind of coordinate that. 
and emit always a new state. And in the state itself, there would be the, um, the information to start the animation for uh, button one to display it, button uh, one to be hide, button one to uh, the second button to be displayed, and so on. At least then you get some kind of testability into those kind of things too. Otherwise, you would just say, okay, uh, view now display the end state. And the end state would be display button three, but not button one or something like that. But you haven't any chance to properly test if the animations that would be part of the view layer otherwise, um, if they do the right thing. And with this little trick of splitting or let the observable.timer do the like the timing when to show and when to hide the view button makes it at least a little bit more testable from my point of view. Um, not sure if it makes sense uh, over over audio channel to talk about this. Um, but I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. So rather than only have the animations running in the view layer, I still start the animations in the view layer, but the time when they start and when they do, for instance, the fading between views is triggered by observable load timer somewhere in the application or business logic, if it makes sense. But there aren't too many use cases I can think of where this kind of things make sense to do. But speaking of testing, what is your approach on testing, Benoit? Do you write unit tests? Do you write integration tests? Do you write functional tests? And do you have any, any thoughts or any opinion if that gets easier with an MVI approach compared to, let's say, MVVM? Or any other, other thoughts about testing in general on, on an MVI-ish architecture? So I think testing with MVI is really simple, but it would be the same way just implementing a view saying you, there is only one entry point for the presenter and one output, so you just pass it an event and you just check the result basically comparing objects and because uh, in the presenter you should, not, you, should not, you should not have any dependencies to Android, you can do it on the JVM easily and uh, on the other way, when you want to take the view if you want to do it, you just pass it a state and you be sure that uh, the state is rendered properly and otherwise you would just uh, press a button and then you be sure that the uh, click event was emitted or this kind of things. So those tests would get really easy to do. And then, so it's a complicated thing for me because the presenter could be seen as a black box. So I pass one event and I want to get a state. Mm -hmm. But then I think you need a way to test to test the or the side effects or the business logic you're doing. So there is, um, what I do is the business logic, I just take it out and uh, create a, um, I don't know, a component or a method about doing just this. And here I would pass like what we said, an action and just check the result. So kind of black box. And here I would probably, yes. So I would not test every component of the presenter. I would just uh, test uh, from the outside, I pass an event, I get a state, and then I would test um, um, apart from the, uh, each other, each business logic uh, processor, I don't know how to name them, but basically I want to be sure that, that this part of code is 
uh, actually loading a new list of um, components or you know saving something to the database. That would do the that would be the three kind of tests I would do with MVI. Basically, uh, the view listening to inputs and uh, rendering outputs, presenter from the outside passing event and checking a state, and then each uh, business logic with uh, an action and a result. Cool. And what about you, uh, Arthur? You are very deep also into testing, but you do it in uh, MVVM setup at the moment, if I'm not mistaken, right? Any any thoughts or any comparison? Yeah, so basically it gets a little bit more complicated because you have to check uh, a lot of places instead of a single one. So basically if you have some business logic event, you emit that and uh, check that uh, this like UI component, like a button, received that and displayed something uh, in reaction. So it kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, it just replaces a single state with a number of states. So testing, of course, becomes res less reliable because you cannot actually check uh, on uh, every business event that this button was modified and everything else wasn't. So it makes things a little bit more uh, out of shape. And uh, I had a question about integration testing and UI testing. Does it make sense to do that with MVI or is it just enough to test the renderings of the states? Well, if you ask me, or what I usually do is, but that requires a little bit, let's call it discipline from the developer. So if your business logic or whatever is in the presenter or below, so not in the UI layer, but below, um, is basically side effect free in terms of functional purity, then you know that everything behaves the same for the same input, right? So I, if I follow that rule, I don't see much value in writing a unit test for something like a state reducer in the business logic. So we haven't talked about state reducer in detail, but I think people uh, by now are familiar with that concept. Otherwise, we will add a link to the show notes. But if you have a state reducer or even multiple state reducers or processors, as Benoit mentioned before, do you test them individually in a unit test? Sure, you can do that, but you could achieve or test the same by a kind of an integration test. Um, and actually the real world use case is that the user is more like what an integration test does, right? It clicks multiple times and so on. And yeah, not sure. Benoit, what, what do you think about this? I I try to limitate the instrumentation test because it just takes times and it's a pain to run. But like if the user base is really big, you could you know roll out your app, I don't know, one percent or doing dog fooding on it and just that would be good testing as well. Yeah, it's called it's, 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 I don't think there called, is a, a good rule for it. It's called testing in production actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh Jokes aside, so the testing of production uh, is a nice technique. It actually contains uh, a little bit uh, of all things we do as developers, uh, like collecting uh, crash, rep crash reports, uh, logs. It's all related to testing and production this way or another. And uh, actually, which reminds me uh, of an example Hannes, uh, I guess, mentioned in uh, one of his blog posts, uh, which was about logging the states uh, in production and just sending it to, to the log system. Do you still use it uh, or it just 
didn't fit quite well. Um, so I've switched company and then a new company. We don't have the state machine architecture at the moment. We are working towards that. But yeah, in my previous company, this was definitely helpful and we did it. And I think that they still do it. Not sure about GDPR now <laughs> because uh, that kind of logging must be confirmed in Europe if you follow the GDPR uh, guidelines, I think. So not sure. Uh, however, for some beta testing or some QA testing, I would definitely enable those those kind of things. But yeah, you you have to keep in mind that probably, at least in production, you would you wouldn't like to track all user data like username, password, and stuff like that. So, um, but there are some some libraries that could help to to not dispose those kind of information by just overwriting, for instance, two-string method or something like that. But it makes things and reproduce bugs very, very easy from my point of view because imagine you have a clear like time machine so you can see where the user started and you know what was the last state before the app crashed. You could basically just copy the last state into your business logic and make your business logic start from there and then trigger the new action and then it should crash too, right? If you have made everything pure and immutable and so on. Mm. Yeah, even as a test, that would be really easy to write. Yeah, right? and making a, what is it called? Uh, a regression test out of this it should be very easy, right? Uh, do you use something like that, Benoit, in production, beta testing, any other experience with this logging thing? Uh, not yet. But so you were talking about uh, hiding, like not logging, uh, secu uh, I don't know, I forget the name. Anyway, data you don't want to log. We had a, we have a, a neat thing using Kotlin. So basically we, instead of a string, we would have a re redacted string class that we would have made and we would override the two string method, uh, f finalize it as well because data classes would override this and just return an empty string and then you would overwrite the invoke operator and then you would return the real value of the string. And so when we need to use the value, we would use invoke. Even from Java side, you can do it. And when we log the object, we get an empty string and nothing's leaked. So basically, this, this redacted string is a value, a value type of sorts, right? Maybe. I'm not familiar with that, so I, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's fair enough to say that's a value type. Well, the value type is just a type that uh, wraps another value and has uh, a behavior uh, attached to that. Uh, so, 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 okay, so, then. So basically, it's a strictly typed type alias from Kotlin because uh, in Kotlin, actually, you can assign a value to a type alias. So for, for example, if you have a type alias reductive string uh, to string, you can still assign just a raw string to the, to the reductive string instance. Uh, and with that value type, is not, it is not possible because uh, it's a different type. Okay. Cool. Uh, and uh, I hate to ask this, but uh, what about Mosby? Can we talk about this a little bit? Uh, what, do, what would you like to hear about it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hear it's an, it's an, an uncomfortable question. Uh, you haven't blocked it ab about it uh, for quite some time. Do you have any ideas about its future? Do you actually use it at this point? 
Um, so in my new company, we don't use it mainly because we have our MVP architecture right there, which doesn't need any additional um, things that most people could offer. Um, but yeah, most is quite old at this point. <laughs> so, for instance, the the new view model from the from the architecture components offers almost the same functionality as Mosby does. The only advantage that I think Mosby has at the moment is that it also supports keeping presenters or view models for view groups during screen orientation changes. But I think that's something that the architecture components could add sooner or later. So um, I think Mosby is doing well so far. Um, this MVI module it offers is probably something that people could use if they really want to. But I think Benoit also made the experience that implementing MVI is actually not that hard once you understood it a little bit. So if you need a library like Mosby, sure, go ahead. If you don't need it, well, yeah, never mind. It's okay. Write your own. No, no worries. Or maybe you don't even need that. Um, am I wrong, Benoit? So you've written... You have written that using view models in the architectural blueprints, or what was the thing, the idea? So my, my pet project was using the com architecture components view models. And um, basically it was, re I don't know, there was not a lot of boilerplate, but you can still, I guess, um, I don't know, you, you could just, I think it would be easy to write a library to do this. and. The good thing about this, more than uh, you know, not write boilerplate, would be to force the user to use it properly, because uh, I, th I, st I still think Rx Java is really misused. You know, having a lot of um, side effect with do on next, changing some UI somewhere. So the good point for me for for framework would be to just help the user, you know, not making mistakes. That would be the you know the best merit for me. And since we're talking about implementing MVI without Mosby or anything, uh, uh, what do you have in mind about developer experience related to MVI? Have you observed any changes uh, in workflows, improvements, or just general emotions related to MVI? Because uh, I haven't worked in teams that actually use MVI, and uh, I was quite curious about what it just does to people and to the mindset regarding this whole uh, view rendering logic and all of that? So there are, from my point of view, two things to consider. So the first thing, yeah, the the feedback I at least got from, let's say, GitHub or any other discussions with other developers who have used Mosby or even haven't used Mosby to implement MVI, they were quite happy. And also in my previous company, that worked quite well. But for instance, in my new company, we struggle a little bit with Eric's Java. So I wouldn't say uh, Eric's Java makes sometimes things a little bit harder to model or to reason about. But yeah, sometimes probably it's easier to do simple things without Eric's Java. And so we are not sure how to, how to achieve our goals with Rx Java at the moment. So we try to educate developers, 
that of course is an option. On the other hand, if you take a look at some state reducers that are based on a scan operator, if you have a complex screen, then at some point in time, the state reducers also get quite complex. Uh, of course, you can spread it in multiple state reducers and, and so on and so on. Yeah, of course you can. But we also tried to implement a similar thing, for instance, with Kotlin coroutines. And to be honest, it, it was easier at least to review and to, to read it afterwards. Um, any, any thoughts from you guys about this? And I also know that some other companies, I think, struggle with that a little bit and therefore have built, so to speak, Redux middleware um, things for Android, like I think Spotify has open-sourced Mobius or whatever it's pronounced. I think Groupon has Grox or something like that that basically try to hide their Rx Java implementation of having a state reducer or a state machine uh, behind some higher level APIs. Any, any thoughts about this, Benoit, or? Um, so around, so I was in, back in Japan, like nobody was really interested in this. You know, you would have some exciting people, but that would be it. When I tried to, to talk to my uh, coworkers about the benefit of it, it was like too much of a, you know, the learning process was kind of too big maybe for them. I don't know. Maybe I was just, you know, too excited and then not excited enough. But I think there is value to it. And I think it makes really the application easier to maintain and to, um, you know, to, to grow. But I don't know if the community is really embracing it. I don't think so at the moment, but I don't know. Yeah, I think we are moving more towards MVVM with live data. So basically what uh, Arthur and his company has in place since years. <laughs> Without live data, obviously, but, but yeah, I think it scales very well MVI in general because adding a new functionality is super easy and you can simply add them without having to touch any other code parts, right? So yes, that's, that's a big selling point for me. But yeah, I also have the feeling that it got a little bit traction over the last two years probably, but it's still not mainstream, right? But Arthur, yes. what, what, is, what are your thoughts? Do you try to convince your company to MVI or are you still not sold on MVI? Any, any opinion? Well, we are at this point like uh, all in MVVM. So it basically would mean rewrite the whole application, which, which nobody will do. Uh, I had actually a clarification question for you. Uh, regarding Rx Java, uh, do you use Kotlin? Uh, maybe I'm thinking about it, but because uh, state modifications in Kotlin are quite simple with the copy method, but in Java it may be not so simple. Yeah, um, right. That's that's not the problem I was referring to. Um, definitely, Kotlin helps there a lot on those kind of boilerplate things and simplifies a lot of uh, code. Sure. But I was referring more to what if your scan operator is, um, well, let me think about an example. Now I, can't, I can't think of a good example for now, but if it, re if, it's, if it needs not just an action or an intent, but rather a previous state to do something, like 
if you have a previous state and then you have to do uh, HTTP request depending on the previous state and the given input or intent or action or whatever you would like to call it. You know what I mean? So you basically need an observable somehow integrated in your scan operator and then things get a little bit tricky because either you try to use some subject or so that that was one of the easiest solution that came to my mind use a subject or you use the what is it called the operator with um, I think you used it last time um, we discussed about this Arthur what is it called with uh, with I can't remember the name I will look at it with up, latest from with latest uh, yeah exactly with latest from to do that but then you still need a subject somehow but yeah th those kind of things are a little bit tricky are you talking about having access to the state inside the reducer uh yeah but inside the reducer then you would create a http request that emits not only one single value but like a state loading and then in flight or loading or in flight then the data or error and you have to do that inside your red reducer depending on what the current state is you know what i mean but so for me, that would happen before going inside the reducer? Right, but before the reducer, you don't have access to the current state. You only, have, you only map basically the input event to an intermediate event or something like yes. that. Okay. Yeah, ex I'm talking exactly... That's something a framework would be nice to, yeah, to tackle. Yeah, that's exactly what I was referring to. So if you need a state at that point in time, so even before reaching the reducer, kind of. Um, that's where Eric's Java makes things probably... Uh, I wouldn't say complicated, but that's there's not an easy way to do that out of the box, right? But for instance, with coroutines, yeah. this is a little bit easier because then you would just write some asynchronous, uh, um, um, not asynchronous, but synchronous looking code, have the latest state, do that uh, in a an, in an coroutine uh, way by having this operation and are still in the same kind of reducer function where you have access to both the, the state, the previous state and the whatever is now in flight or whatever state from your HTTP request. Um, this is something that I thought about recently that, you know, we say things are sometimes hard to do with RxJava, but I think it's hard not because of RxJava, just because the problem is hard to resolve and even without using RxJava to have kind of a synced only one truth kind of state object in a class would be really hard anyway. Right, right, right. So I don't think RxJava is at fault, if this makes sense. Yeah, it totally does for me. Arthur, any, any other thoughts? How would you solve that? Uh, I don't know, is MVVM doing that somehow better or somehow different? Or do, do no, you have any clue <laughs> about this? Yes. Uh, actually a combination of things, I guess, because if you have a complex flow, you have to resolve it this way or another, and sometimes things get just get messy because uh, it uh, works this way. So basically you have to live with it. Uh, the next question, one of the last questions I had uh, was, you know, we talked about positives of the MVI and what about the disadvantages? So uh, you worked with some people, and as Hannes mentioned, uh, uh, he had this approach implemented in the application uh, on his previous gig. Uh, do you have any disadvantages or just concerns from uh, co-workers about MVI in general, or is it just perfect? So uh, in my case, I think 
there is first a border plate. Like if you're not using Kotlin, it would be a mess to have so many classes and so many builders around. Also, I think, so it's more maybe about RxJava or maybe just the way we implement this, but I think it's really hard sometimes to, to review things, just to read a stream. Like it gets, it can get really messy if you have a, a big stream of side effects, you know, back and forth between the server, these kind of things. That would be really messy. And I think uh, Kotlin coroutine could help here, but I still think it's something hard to, to review or to read. But otherwise, I don't really see, I don't really see any drawbacks to this. Yeah, I have similar similar feelings. So reviewing it, even my even the code that I wrote uh, six months ago is sometimes not super straightforward. Although I would say I'm pretty familiar with RxJava, um, but writing it is super super nice and and super super cool from my point of view, and that's a lot of benefits. But yeah, reviewing it. Mm, it's a little bit different from my po different. Well, I would say difficult even um, from my point of view. Hmm. But um, I think it it it's it's coming back to what Benoit said before. It's probably difficult to review because the problem per se is also difficult, and it would probably also be difficult to review it in a in a let's say not MVI or state machine or reducers, whatever world. So, not sure. And what about our next steps? Like uh, I've mentioned, there is a, we, we had this theory with our term that MVI is a direct improvement of MVVM. Do you have any next approach on the horizon, like maybe in the web world or in the iOS world, or something just interesting that you just want to dig into? So at Square, at least on my team, we are really focusing about the next like framework we could build just to manage all the views and presenters together. Like when I was talking earlier about the container inflating the view, instantiating presenters and just managing everything from the top. This is something we are working on internally, but as a community thing, I don't know really what could be next. I think people are still, you know, swallowing the whole Kotlin thing. Yeah, I think one of the probably additions or not additions or even next step on top of MVI could be something that um, Atom is working on with Domic, like maybe have something like a DOM uh, in terms of what we also see in, in the web world and then diffing this DOM. So more on the on the view layer so then rather than passing a state to the view your presenter or view model could pass a list of widgets or a subtree in this DOM of widgets that then could be diffed efficiently and rendered but I'm not sure if that level of abstraction is, is really needed so far it worked quite well without this but I think that is probably something that you should take a look at if you are really interested in trends or hot new topics. <laughs> I actually found this project the other day and I was thinking that like, so JavaScript was really bad because browsers were just really bad at rendering things. So they would need to make it really efficient. And I don't think we have this problem in Android at the moment. Yeah, good point. 
am I biased or I don't know? No, that's exactly the thought I, I had in mind, just uh, taking a look at it. Because uh, in many cases, Android reduces stuff for you. Uh, not not in many mm -hmm. places, but it's good enough, at least uh, from my perspective. So I don't actually see uh, what problem does it solve, actually. So my, my main issue with it. But uh, I guess Hannes just described Flutter, am I right? Sorry, what, are, what do I have described? You just described Flutter, I guess. Ah, uh, hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. But imagine you would have... A single state for your whole application that also includes UI widgets, that includes also the navigation somehow, by just having that state that has substates or, or a tree in, in, in the state, so to speak, and you, no activities, no fragment. Let's talk really, really abstract. Something probably like uh, Lito from Facebook for UI widgets, so they are immutable, you just update a kind of abstract rep representation of the actual widget. And you could do the same with the whole navigation flow by just removing a node from this, from this uh, state. Uh, that sounds nice in theory. <laughs> Not sure how to save the instant state then, but probably something like that could be where those kind of things would, would bring advantages. And then you could really test this. For instance, with Flutter, you could do exactly the same. You could test your whole application by running tests against this virtual dome. And that's actually what also React, for instance, does in the web world. So you run not the real UI, but you have this dome and compare the dome with the expected dome, for instance. And then assume that the rendering of those dome is done properly by the library you use, like React or Flutter. So, yeah. Nice idea, yeah, but agreed. Uh, for now, I didn't have the use case for this, but hmm, at least worthwhile to think about such such things, I guess. Yeah, and, and, and in this case, the whole application just becomes a giant state machine that just emits a new state based on the previous state and just mutates it based on uh, external factors. Yeah, like exactly. Backend events or something like that. So, yeah. It's a nice, it's a nice abstract, but uh, I don't think it uh, may, it will make a way in practice. But we'll see. Yeah, and again, the question: Do we really need that? Um, it's definitely something we shouldn't forget about. Uh, shouldn't forget about. All right, I think that's that's all. Um, any last words, Benoit? I don't think so. I, I don't know. I think that just for. If anyone ever listened to this, MVI, MVI sounded like sounded really complicated and not really useful. But I really think the contrary, and that I think that's why we were talking about this. So, if people want to try this, please do. And yes. Cool. Uh, yeah. Then let's wrap this up. Thanks, Benoit, for joining us. Actually, it was a little bit longer than we have <laughs> expected and scheduled it. So thanks a lot for staying this whole long period of time with us. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Artem. Uh, Artem. Arthur. Artem. Arthur. Who are you? Arthur. Just whatever. Just <laughs> thank you both. Nice. This guy. Say thank you, this guy. Cool. Thanks, Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, we definitely have to bring Artem back to the next show, otherwise I get co completely lost and confused. Um, cool. Thanks for listening, dear listeners, and I'm stopping the recording now.